It's the Tillcast episode 266, Footlicker. And this week, guys, we talk Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Elite Dangerous Odyssey, and Subnautica Below Zero. Stay tuned. This damn dog. Oh, it's in my mouth. That's a double can. It is a double can. It's the Tillcast. It is. 5-22-2021 at uh, 9.10 p.m. at 75 degrees in sunny northeastern Oklahoma. And this, I guess the sun went down. Hey, it's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. And together you're going to get an indeterminate amount of time's worth of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games and some news. Uh, I've got I've got a OG guy back. And, Woo-hoo! Uh, don't have Nimp. Um, may have Nimp later. Um, we like having the Nimp. But Nimp was definitely a great fill-in for us last week, as Jason had very serious things to attend to. So appreciate you, uh, Boston and Moon and TVGP, for loaning us Nimp. And, of course, Nimp for joining and having a good time with me last week. Um, yep. Much appreciated, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been a... Uh, been a week uh it's been two it, weeks you had a it's your, been your, two weeks yeah your wife got <laughs> t-boned she did um she got t-boned last friday and just uh with with everything going on in the aftermath of that podcast just wasn't happening so again i can't say thank you enough nymp well um, and we follow a fairly strict schedule yep so I didn't have anything going on. I was like, well, I'm not going to do a monocast. And I'd already talked to Nymph about doing it. And then I let him know last minute. I was like, hey, buddy, it's going to be me and you. So let's do this. <laughs> um, and from what I heard what I heard of, the, of last week's episode, I didn't listen to all of it. But, I mean, you guys made good use of the time. It was a full-size episode. Yeah, it was. Um, but, you know. Long history with Nymph, so that wasn't hard, to be honest with you. If this would have been right. a no-name guest, we would have had to have had some chemistry to keep it going that long. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know what I mean by no-name, somebody I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. Having Nymph on the show is about the, as far as familiar, familiarity for Justin, is about the same as having Trent back on the cast. Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far. Me and Trent have a long and varied history. Well. Um, I've known yeah. him for 20 years. So there, there is that, but I've actually, you know, through the internet and podcasting and doing our old gauntlet, uh, me and G- Nemp have been been in friends for probably about almost ten years at this point. So I started to say all of us have talked off and on for the last eight. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, I mean, keep forgetting the show's kind of old, <laughs> right? We've been doing this a long time. Yep. But so your wife got um, T-boned. So and- my wife got T-boned. So there was all the aftermath from that. Luckily, uh, no serious traumatic injuries. Um, just had some uh, some mild concussions and some bumps and bruises. But overall, not nothing too terrible. Car was totaled. So you know, there's that. When all the airbags deploy and. Uh, one side of the frame gets pushed 12 inches. <laughs> yeah. There's no saving the car. Um, so between dealing with that aftermath and 
And then, of course, you know, stuff like work doesn't stop just because just because somebody got in a car wreck. So it's just been really busy couple weeks. Yeah, and you um, probably, did she get a rental? Yes. Yeah. Believe it or not, they got, the insurance company for the other driver was really great. They got us a rental the next day. Uh, kind of freaked Crystal out because she was driving a, a brand new uh, Dodge Ram crew cab. That's not bad. No. But much, uh, it's a lot bigger than much, she's used to, her. much taller and wider than what she's used to. <laughs> Probably felt like driving a Humvee for her, yeah, pretty much. Um, so but we were able to, uh, uh, today before I even came over here, we were able, we got really lucky, found us a good deal on a replacement car. Uh, old cars getting completely paid off, so. You know, all that's fine. It's done and over. It's just, you know, a lot of, after you have an accident like that, there's a lot of follow-up, a lot of different doctor's visits. Right. Stuff like that, just to make sure there's no uh, uh, no lasting injuries or, you know, kind of creep creeper injuries that might pop, pop up on you uh, later on down the road. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was good. We didn't have any of that. Um, so in between that and work, I just really tried to to escape into the video games as much as I could, which admittedly wasn't as much as even my normal playtime. So, <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's understandable. You had quite a bit going on. It it sucks that it happened during Mass Effect week for you. Yep. Um, but it is what it is, right? Life happens and, and you move on. And it sucks that it happened in a used car market as screwed up as right now. So that's one thing a lot of people don't think think about. You know, we've talked about on the show, um, you know, how bad the uh, how bad the the GPU and CPU chip shortages are and, you know, how bad it may be uh, for a while moving forward. But right. what you don't think about is what other industries that affects. And a major computer chip buyer is car manufacturers. Well, it's the silicon market is what's impacted. Yeah. The silicon market is a huge market with very few producers. Yeah. Um, so that shortage is uh, leading to to uh, uh, shortage in the in new cars being produced, which is causing something crazy in in like the used car market, which is normally where my family sits. Because, well, let's let's face it, I make okay money. You don't make them, but yeah. I can't go spend. Uh, uh, forty to fifty thousand dollars on a family vehicle big enough for my family to buy a brand new car. No, we live in a state where the price of cars is not the same as the price of living, and so what that means is that the cost of living here is very low, mm -hmm. which means that you make less, right, compared yeah. to the economy. But the price of cars doesn't change very much market to market. Not in the same way that houses do. So for me and Jason, we both own houses for under a hundred thousand that are normal everyday houses. That you that, would spend 
you know, a hundred and eighty plus thousand on in Texas. Yeah, just the closest state. Texas is considered cheap too. Just looking yeah. at housing in other markets that are a little you, bit more standard. You look at, for example, California. My house is eleven hundred square feet. That's eight hundred thousand dollars in California. It it's nearly a million dollars in California for that's my an, house. That's an extreme version, but I've both of our homes are similarly sized, and um, mine's a little bit newer than yours, Just, but not much. Justin's got an extra bedroom and a two car garage. Yeah, but I mean that being said, like my house in, I don't know, say Virginia, right, or Idaho or Colorado is about a three hundred to three hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah, and so what that means is that we don't have folks because are, our our wages don't compensate for that. Yeah, so I don't make wages they, that that grant me the ability to afford a three hundred thousand dollar house. Exactly. So that means but that I everything I get is used too. You don't even need a three hundred three hundred thousand dollar house. Folks, in Oklahoma, a three hundred thousand dollar house will get you between <laughs> twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred square feet. And probably less than ten years old. Yes. <laughs> so it's like and in yeah. town. Like that's a, that's a gigantic a house. Half a, a half a million dollar house here is almost a mansion. It's a mini mansion. It would be we're, like we're talking like six bedrooms, more than that. So like my you know my fiance's old boss's house. Um, I guess I, I was about to say where it's at, but that's probably bad. Yeah. Um. So it's uh in a really nice area, kind of close to the river here. Um, around where River Road, I'll call it River Road because you'll know what I'm talking about, curves, yep. and there's a whole bunch of newer construction over there. And that house was around $600,000. It's eight bedrooms, four bathrooms. It has a tiered pool in the backyard, and I want to say it's probably 450, or uh, 450, it's probably 4,500 square, square feet, feet is what yeah. I was getting at. And um, like the front living room is three stories tall. Yeah. With like a spiral staircase and a balcony indoors, yeah. like it's ginormous. Yeah, um, it's just—I mean—that's yeah. the economy it, we live it's in. It's a so, ton of house. But what I'm getting to is our wages compensate for the living, and that's usually where, how it is, right? Like, yeah, my comp my but, company gets paid like two and a half times more if you live in New York City, mm -hmm. right? So if I was if I was there, I'd be making very good money in New York. Well, and living very, like a pauper, uh, very average money in New York. I should say it better. Yeah, you you would be <laughs> even at three times your income, you'd be living like a pauper in New York. You'd have a studio apartment. Well, a studio apartments still be way more than what I pay here. Yeah, I mean, but um, just you know, my mortgage is seven hundred dollars a month. Yeah, you know, and I know so, yours is not even that much less than that, but it's like. That doesn't get you shit anywhere no. else. So you think about it. Most new, uh, new, new trucks, new SUVs, they're the cost of a house here. Yeah, they're the cost of a of a inexpensive home here. Yeah. So I mean, your or even even better comparable would be a condo, like a one bedroom condo. Um, so I mean, so it, it'd be like the equivalent if you live in New York or LA being able to afford a $150,000 car. Yep. And so that's, that's where our wages are at. Yep. So, you know, we're not a new car family. So, you know, we're shopping used cars and let me tell you, 
the price on used cars. Two years ago, we bought a what was what was then a, a five year old car for like ten grand or something for uh for sixteen grand, right? And it had uh it had just over sixty thousand miles on it. That was an okay deal. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. It was okay. You're upside down a little bit at that point, but you're you're still okay. Now, comparable a five-year-old car with 65,000 miles on it is 20 grand. Yeah, you're talking like a $400 a month payment, aren't you? Well, if interest rates weren't lo- also lower to compensate that, yes. The way interest rates are now, as long as you have a decent credit score, you can get that twenty grand for around three hundred a month. That's not horrible. That's not horrible, as long as you're not anything older than like a twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. And me and you are both old enough that full coverage doesn't yeah. cost like exactly three hundred dollars as well a month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so. But we got extremely lucky today and found a 2016 car or SUV that had 18, just over 18,000 miles on it. <laughs> Which that's... we're paying a little bit more, but that little bit more um, around 26,000 only increased our payment by like $30 a month. That's not bad. Like, okay, we can afford that. Um, especially for that mileage. I mean, that's basically a broken in new car. (laughs) So that was fortunate, but that was like all day today. Like we got to dealership at one o'clock. We left the dealership because we ended up buying something. We left the dealership at like seven 15. Hey, I mean, they made a sale. You got a deal. You got what you wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, all, all is good now. The best part is my wife hates red, and this car is crimson. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Not only is it red, but it's a deep red. <laughs> but, I mean, so that that was good. Um, aside from that, man, it's just been... Ugh. I can't hardly remember everything I've done the last week. I know it's been a uh, it's been lonely on this front. Been doing it's been rainy as hell. Um, so I've been maximizing the time that I can walk the dog in between rain. I started say yeah. Good um, luck with that. And getting getting kind of irritated with some of my neighbors for various reasons. So occasionally I walk the dog. Usually right around right after the school bus stops around four thirty p.m. Which just means they run into kids, kids pet the dog, everything's great. But I've been having to walk at odd times, and I found out that there's a couple of my neighbors that just hang out, I guess, and do yard work and leave their dog in the front yard while they're doing lawn lawn work and don't really watch the dog. I guess the dog's fairly territorial, the two that I ran into, but like not enough that they want to come up and be in my space. And I'm a dog lover, but Lola's A, not very socialized. 
And B, I got charged twice today, and that really pissed me off. So me being the uh, fearless dog dad that I am, in both instances, and this happened twice today, so a big old yellow lab. Um, normally, yellow labs are usually super friendly. It got super territorial for some reason. This big old yellow lab just charges me howling. And I took Lola in an instant and snapped her up with my left arm and put her in put her in the crook of my arm and she's like what and she's like kind of because freaking out she can't hear this other dog because she's deaf yeah but i noticed it right and i turned around and just yelled like crazy at that dog and the owner like looked at me and i was like put your fucking dog in the goddamn backyard I was like, we wouldn't have this problem. I'm walking my dog on a leash. I have a special needs dog. Put your fucking dog in the backyard. And the guy was super apologetic. I didn't know my dog was going to, because the dog, I was very aggressive. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to, you know, it wasn't like I was going to beat up a dog, right? But like being big and scary as much as I could to make the dog oh, yeah. realize, like, don't, don't fuck with me. And, you know, he was really apologetic. And I was like, it's easy. It's you just put your dog in the backyard. I got my dog on a leash. I walk my dog almost every single day, sometimes two and three times a day. Like, not that fucking hard. He was really apologetic, and I kind of let him off the hook, but I was really mad, right? Walk walk my dog in the crook of my arm, and my dog's whimpering. She's like, doesn't know what's going on, so she's freaking out a little bit. Lola's not real big. Um, so, you know, walk around the corner, and then my neighbor across the street, I guess I don't recognize this person. It's not the normal person. There's an older lady, but they have a couple of mutts. I don't know what kind of dog it is, but he looks like he's a German Shepherd mix. And she's out there doing something in the front yard. I don't know if she's like just hanging out or it's their grandma or whatever, but the dog's like sitting out there with her, just sniffing around in the yard. And she sees Lola and she does the scary thing, which doesn't make any noise, kind of crouches and then starts darting at me. Lola sees it and barks, and then I did the exact same thing. Adrenaline picked up, snatched my dog up in the crook of my arm, and that dog got close enough to try to nip at me, and I smacked it right in the fucking nose, and I was like, you know, not punched it, but... Yeah, slapped it hard. I slapped it, and I yelled because I yelled at first, and it didn't stop. I was like, this dog wants to bite the dog. And yeah. so I slapped it in the nose, and its tail went between its legs, and then it went right back up to the porch. I was like, put your damn dog in the backyard. I live across the street. I walk my dog every day. You see me out here. Oh, I don't know if she sees me. I was like, I'm out here all the time. That's not cool. And then she was also fairly apologetic. And I was like, again, I just went right back to it. It's not that goddamn hard. You have a fence. Put your dog back there. And if they're going to be out front. I'm not like in the city. That's, a, the, that's the put thing. Put a restraint on it. Yeah, like put it on a, a really long lead if you want the dog out there with you. Yeah. I mean, I would never let, well, A, Lola can't hear me, so I can't call her, but, you know, Zoe wouldn't even go out the front door. She'd stand at the door and whine, but she wouldn't go out. Like, she was super well-mannered. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I'm not really, I, the thing is, I'm not, I, I'm in the city technically, but literally if you walk outside my neighborhood, like, there's a field, like, yeah. in two different directions. So, like, I'm on the edge, you know, I'm in a, one of those, I'm in a... I'm in a neighborhood that's average and kind of in the country is basically what it is. Yep. And so, like, it's just a little bit more loose living out here, I guess. It's not a very big neighborhood. Well, There's, like, it, two two main drags. It's, like, that. it's, just, it's like eight blocks total, like, yeah. round trip for me to walk. 
it's not even that. It's just people who just don't don't think. So, you know, when you really are out in the country, let's say, um, you know, you're on like a <clears throat> like a ten acre lot or bigger, you know, nearest house is acres away, right? Yeah, like if that I know you haven't been to Trent's house, but he's got probably twenty acres between him yeah, and his house. Yep. I've been out by there. I haven't actually been out to his house yet, but I know about where he's at. Um, you know, that's one thing. You're there's no need to especially if they're trained, you know, and fairly well mannered, you know, that's their land as much as it is yours. Well, you his, don't necessarily need a lead on them, but when you're in a neighborhood and you know there are other animals in that neighborhood. Or people, for that matter. Or there's people. Kids, there's kids out all the time. And I, uh, you need, if you don't have a uh, fence in your front yard. So Oklahoma and the cities we're in is uh, kind of a little bit loose with that. It kind of depends on your neighborhood, sometimes you can have like a chain link LinkedIn yard up front as long as your yard's still cleanly visible and be fine. So if you don't have that, you need to have your dog on the lead if they're going to be out front where it can easily get at people. Because any dog can, no matter how easy mannered they are or or well-trained, any dog can become aggressive. Well, they're territorial. For any reason. I mean, it just, it was just aggravating. And let's just face it, like, she's basically like my non-human kid. Uh, and I'm is. very protective of her. And she's well, not I, only that, she's but. She's a big old wuss. She can't hear. She's, like you said, not well socialized, so she's not going to know when another dog's being aggressive or wants to play, because there is a difference. Yeah. Well, um, both of these times, these dogs are acting aggressive. She's going, and she's going to want to just play with them. But as heavily, as heavy-handed as she plays... Another dog or a person might think she's more aggressive than she actually is. She does pretty good with kids. I'm actually surprised at how gentle she is with kids. The uh, one of the toddlers. Yeah, because she's not gentle with me and Rusty at all. <laughs> no, but like, there's the toddler was out while I was walking the the toddler that's next door was out mm-hmm. while I was walking the dog. You know, she says doggy, you know, and then. Neighbor, I haven't really formally introduced myself. He's like, oh, that's the neighbor. That's the dog that she always pets. I was like, yeah, she can come pet the dog. It's no big deal. Right? And then Lola just loves her to death. But she just sits there on the kid's level and just licks her face. Like, that's just what she wants to do. She wants to lick a little kid's face. And, you know, it's cute. Just let her do it. It's no big deal. Hey, as long as she's not, you know, the... The jumpy bounce on you that she is with me and Rusty. She I wants mean, to get at your fine. face level, I think, is what the deal is. And so that's guys probably so what it taller. is. And we're so much taller. We're even so much taller than you. That's probably a lot of it. I mean, most of the time she likes to. I call her. She's my couch buddy. 
So she's really restless until I sit on the couch. And then when I sit on the couch, she leans up next to me and then just passes out. Because she just wants a little bit of scratching and she wants to lean against me. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It's also been just kind of a weird week in general. Just like it's there's all sorts of pollen in the air. My allergies are going crazy. Oh, all the trees are having sex outside. Like, and I was walking around today, like the tree seeds or droppings, not the little helicopters, yeah. but the, looks like a little leaf. Uh-huh. We're just covering. I don't, you probably, you may have been able to see it in my neighbor's driveway coming up here. Yeah. But it looks like, it looks like a, a tree jizzed all over his lawn. So, like, the other, there's so much of that shit all over the place. There was one day this last week, I forget which day it was, but I get to work. I park, and that parking lot in front of the tower is just full of, like, Bradford pear trees. Yeah, I'm not up in my tree tree on um, me. It's the ones that <laughs> drop the big white pollen balls. Oh, I know what you're talking about now, yeah. Yeah, that probably fucks with you like crazy. Oh, dude, I came out of work the, one day last week, and my gold-colored truck... Looked white on top. <laughs> yeah, that fucking sucks. Oh, dude. So horrible for allergies. But luckily, I already have my, uh, my, uh, my yearly sinus infection a couple weeks ago. So I think I've got that over with. <laughs> And usually going in and out of work, I'm wearing a mask, too, and that probably helps. Yeah, for definitely since it's way above the lawn mask that we normally have to wear. Right. Um. So, I mean, if anything's come out, out of COVID, that's good. Uh, there's that. I always have a mask with me now. Well, um, I wanted to so, kind of, it's been a weird bullshit session. As, right? A little bit more serious than our normal bullshit, but it's been that kind of week, and that happens every once in a while. But in the midst of all this, so with all the seriousness going on, I did delve as much as I could into the legendary edition of Mass Effect, because if I had to. I have actually, I went ahead and picked it up. I was proud to see you did. I it was in a weird spot um, and wanted to uh, play something last week, and I was kind of waiting on Elite Odyssey, which I'll talk a little bit more about because I had a weird experience with it. Um, but it was just nothing would drop. I was going to play. I picked up Subnautica, uh, but Subnautica was still in early access until launch day Mass Effect, and I, Mass Effect was another one I was looking forward to again. You know, looked at all the screenshots again, looked at the stuff, and I was like, okay, well, supposedly there's a lot of things fixed. I'm probably going to pick that up. I talked about it a little bit last week, but I'm way farther. I'm almost almost done with the first game now. Yeah. So here I'll tell you about my experience so far, and then... Uh, uh, and if you've then, never played Mass Effect, I'll just, say, on it. I'll just say prepare for spoilers, but... Damn, that game's old. It's almost me and Imp were saying it was. It's almost fourteen years old now. I mean, at this point, most of our listeners should have played it by now. If not one, at least two and three. But it being the legendary edition, I started over at one, 
started a femship. You know. How's your character um, look? Did you use standard femship or did you make a custom femship? I made a custom femship. Gotcha. Um, I always thought the default was not not ugly, not fugly, but like look like a dude with breasts. I think she's just not your type. Probably so. I don't so, think that she's that ugly. You know who I think is weird looking is Mel Shepard. Mel Shepard looks like uh, what did I say? I said he looked like a fuckboy last week because like he's just got weird cheekbones and he really like, hollow gaunt cheeks and a weird bald head. You you know what? And he just he looks like he looks like an overfit tennis player okay. that you, goes to the bar every night and picks default, up a different girl. Default Shepherd, male Shepherd, looks like a cross between Vin Diesel and Jared Leto. Yeah, I could see that. that. That's what he looks like. But I digress. I just think he looks, <laughs> he looks like he looks so punchable. And I don't, I just, I can't, I do not, I can't do regular. So I was saying last week that I got. My entire original playthroughs of one, two, and three were all default male shepherd. Oh, I can't. Uh, I I ended up making a, I was saying it last week. So I, I made a guy, the hair fit, the hair physics and palettes are weird. So I tried to pick one that had real looking hair. Yeah. And I like mohawks, right? I can't really rock one anymore, but I really like mohawks. So like, I'll, if there's a mohawk option in a game, I put a mohawk. So they got a little short mohawk in the game, and I turned it white, and he basically just looks like, he kind of looks like Manor James Keenan, um, <laughs> but nice. less punchable. Nice. He's got a, a wider, heavier face. Yeah. So I will say... The character face and body textures in one are much improved. They are over the, the original. I mean, even better than uh, the mods that I loaded on onto one late last year. Well, there's can get so the original game's in 720p, right? Yeah, and the mesh behind it behind the skin that's over the top, right, is still lower poly than what you're used to. So yeah. there's a lot less detail with just basic structure is what I'm getting at, right? It's a lower poly count, so you've got more, less mm -hmm. shapes making up the total model, right? Um, and it, that's something I noticed playing it um, yeah. as well, but the skin over the top is very sharp. Yes, <laughs> Very sharp. Um, but, I mean, as far as dialogue goes, it was it was a much better look. Um, yeah, a lot of the characters look way better. I mean, that's like... They look way... Like, except for Captain Anderson. He's super bug-eyed. He, he, he is bug-eyed still, but I think that's because of the basic mesh from one. Maybe his just um, eyes are too big for his head. The rest of his, uh, the rest of the upgraded mesh though, or upgraded textures though, look much closer to the way he looked in three. I I was really impressed. Well, I mean, um, even like Caden looks yeah. super fucking sharp for some oh, reason. Oh, Caden looks amazing. Like he's just super HD. Like I, 
I was like, I don't remember it looking I'm, that good. And then I looked I'm, at screenshots in the original game. I was like, oh. I'm actually toying with the idea of not ordering him to his death just because he looks so damn good. I know that sounds. Well, I'm. That I'm doesn't trying, sound very great for me, but I mean, I am playing a film chef, so I completely forgot that would that would make sense for a romance option. Yeah, I well with the game, like I forgot a lot of it, right? So I forgot about the whole Krogan Genophage thing. Oh yeah, um, and forgot how that played into the first game. It still feels like a shitty choice, no matter how you play your cards. I'm playing pretty Paragon with a little bit of Renegade. I'm not playing true neutral, but more Paragon than Renegade, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Early in the game, I'm still like, I'm a couple missions past where you pick up Liara. So, okay. So I'm you're not about that first, far. Like the first quarter or third, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, so far. I'm much more Paragon than I am Renegade. It's, I'd really i mean but uh, paragon renegade really doesn't it affects how some of the characters interact with you yeah it it doesn't have as much effect during gameplay as it did in the next two games i just i don't remember what transferred over i know rachni queen is one that transfers over for sure um rachni which one you order to their death um, what you do with the Krogan thing? What you do with the Krogans and um, uh, what um, uh, and then of course your uh, what what end game you end up with based on your choices? Yeah, I there's been some key things. So a I don't didn't remember the dialogue being this good. I'm not skipping very much dialogue if at all. I'm skipping, like, nothing dialogue, but I mean, like, vendor dialogue, basically. Yeah. But any kind of key dialogue, I'm not reading ahead. Like, it, I just turned off subtitles. It was part of the notes, though, for one, that they went in and added some additional dialogue. So there's some of that there that's different now versus the first playthrough. Well, I'm just saying, like, the... I don't know how much was actually added to, like, the mainline story mission dialogue, but... You know, there has definitely been some dialogue additions. I also forgot how grindy the Citadel was on oh, the onset. God. And then I, I forgot yeah. I, I forgot how much I don't like the majority of the Mako missions. So there's some key things that I I know they improved on later in the in the series, right? So like the things that are like reviewing it now 14 years later, because it came out before I was doing reviews. Fucking overheat on guns. Fuck that shit. That's really fucking weird. But um, no. the inventory system's not as bad, but it's still kind of no, bad. They they did do some major fixes there. The, the Mako doesn't just bounce off the entire world anymore. But, but the it's Mako's not great. still bad. The, well, it's you know what it is is they just designed it for you to climb all these impossible hills, or to where you have to climb them at an angle to get anywhere, and it's just it's bad without reworking all of that terrain to make it yeah like more less pointless right like it gives yeah. you like these four things right or five things on every map to go yep. do and then what you end up doing is you end up getting to a base that's like one of three designs that are all exactly the same yep but i will tell you this my experience so far is excellent i would recommend this for anybody i'm going to say 
They are, I know they made a decision that originally I thought was poor, that they weren't going to redo all three games in Unreal 4. I thought that was kind of a little bit of a travesty, but on the other hand, I now realize that would have probably taken another two to three years worth of development to do to rebuild the certain things they'd have to rebuild. I think um, like the inventory. Well, uh, I still think they could have done parts. a better job on the inventory, but um, my, my initial gripe, I kind of realized it with the Mako missions, right? Cause there's so many, I stopped at a certain point trying to just completely hundred percent the first game because I realized I still don't like the Mako sections, which is still yeah. half the game. Um, yeah. Because you end up, Right, you discover a signal, you go down, you land on the planet, you drive around to yeah. four I, points, and then I'm you not... fight Thresher Malls, which are, the Mako already drives still kind of bad. I know it's better than I'm it used not, to be, but it still sucks. I'm not going to 100% the first game. I'm just going to get my major decisions and, that's and kind, move on. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm on the very last mission right now, and I'm just like, you know what? I could end it right here because, and be fine. Because ultimately, here's the thing. The decisions you make in one, and this hasn't changed from everything I've read, have, like, you don't have to 100% one uh, to have a major effect on three. Two, and getting all of the side missions and everything done there, and the DLC, has much more of an effect on on your ending in three than one does like one's very inconsequential when it comes to the ending of three i forgot that morden wasn't a part of one and i was like oh where's morden and i really really like morden man she really wants to be in your lap she does but it's not gonna happen because i'm not uncle rusty what you're hearing guys is the tail thump and she is uh over there grunty happy but, yeah, like, the big thing with one is I think it's, it does a really good job setting it up. I know Ashley is, like, a super space racist. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's, she is. It's, it's really Her weird. and there's that crewman on the bridge, the navigator. Yeah, navigators. They're both, like, super, Species. super xenophobic. They explained part of it with them only being in contact with aliens for like the last 29 years. And there's hesitation. And she's got a lot more nuance the further you go on. But I still don't like her. Um, she wasn't my romance choice. I did the Liara romance choice. Yeah. Um, which I think is, you know, the basic. I think everybody more or less does that. That's a guy. Um, or is into females. But um, that's... It's just well, uh, I mean, Liara swings both ways, so yeah, you just do whatever you want. <laughs> um, but regardless, I thought her story was a little bit obviously way more interesting than Ashley's, and Tally is also similarly interesting. But I just triggered things because I was talking to people, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess yeah. this is what I'm doing. Well, and Tally Zora's story doesn't really build until two. Yeah. The, um whole flotilla thing yeah like her story really one uh your real story building is with uh with Caden, with ashley with liara and with rex um 
Tally's there. Tally adds to the story. Um, and obviously with the with the whole Geth thing, Tally's a Tally's a big tie-in, but her story is not really that deep in one. Yeah, she's just an interesting side character, really. And honestly, I mean, what Liara follows you over, and then you got we're gonna get Miranda and Morden to add to the crew for the next game, basically, right? And is the I can't remember. Who's the guest companion's name? Uh, Legion. Was he in two or three? Two. I kinda, and three. I kind of like Legion. Legion's great. Um, so I'm kind of looking. I, for, I'm looking forward to the the cast was just greatly improved. I think with two. As far as I'm concerned, the there there are top five. There's a top five. Uh, companion list with one honorable mention. Okay, your top five is because of because of depth of story and everything else. Your top three are out of out of the five. Your top three are uh are Liara, are Rex, and um um. Crap. Well, uh, I don't know who you're second going for. game at um what Morden? Um uh, Legion? Legion, sorry. Yeah, those are your top three. I I would still your, say Lord or Morden's probably my, my number one. Your your next ones are uh are Jack from two and um Crap! Why am I blanking all of a sudden? I, oh, and Edie, I I one hundred percent disagree and, on Jack. And and then, well, that's because you didn't really get into the depth of her story. I loved it. No, I thought um, she was a whiny emo bitch. And then, uh, well, she had reason to be anyway. And then your honorable mentions, Morden. Uh, you're one hundred percent wrong, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> Is, I'm 100% wrong according to your point of view. Uh, well, we have a diff- we have a difference of opinion here, but I would say Morden's the best character. But that's Morden's uh, great comic relief. Morden's a Morden's a hell of a character. But now, also, I thought it was a shame that they didn't carry Grunt over into three. Which because he was one of your better companions in two. He's the. Uh, Oh, he's the, um, genetically engineered Krogan. That's right. Yeah, because they want to give you a Krogan back. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to jumping into two. Um, like I said, I'm right there. I could probably play tomorrow morning and get to two. Yeah. Um, I put a decent amount of time into it. I th- want to say... But My time played is probably getting close to 30 hours I, in that first game. I'll say for one, and I understand there there are some serious limitations to one because of the because of the um, the limitations on the mesh. Um, but for the most part, one looks incredible, um, almost as good as. Uh, as the original release of Mass Effect 3. Um, I'd say it's close, yeah. 
And the only thing I can say is not as much of the lighting issues throughout one were fixed as I was hoping there would be. There's still a lot of really unnecessarily dark areas and scenes in that game. Yeah, and you don't have a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. So I think with that being said, we should but, be I mean if two and three have similar levels of improvements, even if just two has, you know, and three's only a little bit of an upgrade, this was still worth sixty bucks. Yeah, and and two I didn't dive into two because I know you had to go through the whole $6 million man intro where they rebuild Shepard kind of thing. Yeah. And I knew it was going to take me like 30 minutes to an hour. And I was like, I don't want to spend just that amount of time to get my default Shepard in to then do that again here in a week or two. So I kind of put off, I kind of put that off, but I feel like by next week, I will have gotten into two for you guys. I ha next week I'll be, uh, my fiance will be in town, so I won't be playing as much video games. Yeah. So um, I'll probably have gotten into two as well because I plan on hitting it pretty hard now that the family life and the work life should be normal, somewhat settled back to normal. Well, I was going to say, um, so I've got another game. I, I, I mentioned a couple other ones. So, hang on, before you keep going. All right. What I want to hear about most is the the continued adventures with the Quest 2 and what I would imagine is Subnautica. Uh, it is not. Oh. It's not VR compatible. That's actually, uh, that's a sub-announcement I have. Um, if you want to talk about Quest 2 for just a minute, Two disappointments right now is the VR compatibility with massive or with uh, Subnautica and with um, Elite Dangerous. So Elite Dangerous VR compatible compatibility right now is 100% compatible out in space and out in SRV. And then I haven't tried it yet because I felt like this would be jarring, but it goes to a flat screen display when you get on foot. Really. Yeah, they're just not there yet. And the announcement is, is we don't feel like the VR part of the game is ready for that. You're welcome to take off your HMD when you get on the ground or just play it on a flat screen while you still got your headset on um, in games. One of the things that VR does, like I can play any 2D game in, in a VR space, but it projects what looks like an 80 to 120 inch screen in front of you. It looks like that wall right there. Yeah, it's basically a, a virtual room with a screen, yeah. So it just projects that out in front of you. Um, I, I haven't done it because I didn't want to do that yet. And I, I, I'll talk about that first. So I've got less Odyssey talk than I have Subnautica talk for a very specific reason. Um, I got it, you know, I downloaded it on Wednesday, um, got into the game, did one mission. And it kind of broke on you? Not even kind of broke it, like super broke. So it's not as optimized as I'd like. I'm not running on a cheap-ass rig. I'm no. running on a 3080 with a Ryzen 5 that's slightly overclocked with a Noctua cooler running at 4.2 gigahertz and 32 gigs of RAM that's set at 3600. 
So like I'm not running on a, a slouch of a rig. I couldn't go any better without overclocking or getting a 3090, which would give me a, a minimal increase. So that's what I'm running. I cannot run that at 4K60 right now. Um, it just, it just not. I can with turning down other settings, right. but I can't run. I can't slide all the sliders over and just drop in and expect it to be a normal experience. So basically, all the new additions aren't fully optimized yet. No. Um, in fact, like I was doing, I'd heard something that while you're building up your rank for ground combat and for ground missions, you want to do non-combat missions first. So I was doing a like a base rescue mission. So I was going in, I was basically a space firefighter. I was going in there and repairing and putting out fires in a base. And it looks really good. There's a, it's not ray tracing. It's doing uh, dynamic reflective lighting or something like that. It's close to ray tracing, but not quite. And all those effects going on indoors dropped me down to about 40 frames a second, which I wanted to run it at 60. I didn't want to run this at 40. And I know when I run it in VR, right, I'm going to be doubling the resolution. Yeah. So that makes me a little bit worried there. So I decided for the first time in a long time, I dropped it down to, you know, to 2K, to 1440. 1440, it runs fine. Um, uncapped frame rate at 1440, I was running about 130 frames a second. Wow. Um, but normally, I can run that at about 200 frames a second on 1440. Yeah. So there's a significant drop. I want to say it probably, it feels like it, it chugs me about 30% more than Odyssey, than Horizons did. Gotcha. Um, but here's what happens. So I run this one space firefighting mission, essentially. Get up in space. I was like, I'm going to go get a really cool ship. I'm going to go get my, my FDL. I'm going to go like find a canyon and do some barrel rolls in a canyon and try to fly around in a canyon with flight assist off and I'm going to land and touch down and just go explore on foot and for no reason other than just try out new features, right? Oh, there's a dog in your lap. I think it, it has to happen at this point. She's she's demanding. You just pick her up wow. over your armpits. Oh, oh, that's all over your face. She's going to lick the top of your head and your ears. She has to lick mm. ears. Mm, that was in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> That tail's wagging really fast. Um, she's very happy. She will dump, she'll jump down in a second. Jason has his eyes and his mouth like zipped shut right now. He's just trying to survive the mall. <laughs> Jesus, Lola. I don't even get this much spit from my wife. She's, I don't, she's not even stopping. She just, I think she's almost done. Yep, there she is. She's good. <laughs> that was very entertaining. I wish I had that on video. Jason uh, looks really grossed out right now. He's, uh... <laughs> I got dog tongue in my mouth. And she licks the bottom of my feet sometimes. <laughs> He's a foot licker. I 
got more saliva from that dog than I have from my wife. That was funny. Oh. Oh, man. It's in my ears, too. God damn it, dog. I love you, Lola, but damn. <laughs> this is how she loves. Really? Yeah, we got we got a a, a part a part deal. So, just for anybody listening, and I've said this before, she doesn't get a lot of socialization. She really, really likes Rusty and Jason. This is one of her favorite nights of the week uh, because she gets to uh, get some uh, secret licks in. Oh, God, it's in my ear again. Yeah, she's she's a happy dog. What she does to explain is she jumps up. So she's not a real big dog. She's a very mini pity. And she jumps up in your lap while you're in a chair and puts her paws on your shoulders and licks the top of your head and your face and your ears. Um, and your ears. And in my case, my mouth. Yep. Um, and then when she's done, she just does a dismount and then she's... And then she just plops down. And then you're going to make more noise over there, Lola? Then you're going to get a bone. All right. She's good. Okay, now I know she's fully satisfied. She got a bone and went to go lay down. It's about like the human equivalent of smoking a cigarette after sex. I mean... You need that resolve? I, I feel pretty violated. <laughs> I mean, she did get your ear holes pretty good. I've never had a tongue that far in my ears. <laughs> but uh, so what happened with Elite is I went to another planet to do another mission. And it loaded up. I got close enough to see canyons. And then I really wish I'd have gotten to a more interesting planet than the one I showed you. Um because some of the planet gen stuff is just way better than it used to be. But, like, I get to this canyon, right? And the game just kicks me out. I was like, what the fuck, man? So I try to load in, get Orange Sidewinder, which is a weird connectivity issue. Really? And then I look online, and it says, one of the fixes, load up Basic Elite Dangerous and see if it works. Well, I didn't pay attention because if you load into a Basic Elite because it doesn't have planet tech, right? It just kicks you out of, it just kicks you out of, you know... Which, not which space, it kicks you, kicks you out of Super Cruise and then tells you to turn around is all it does in the regular game. Yeah. Um, so you so, had to load a Horizons. Which also failed. Wow. Um, and it had been failing, failed about another five or six times. That was Wednesday. So I got an hour in on Wednesday of dicking around. Tried Thursday, same thing. So I try at lunch and try to log in. I go through the full three-step process. Then I submitted a... Not a ticket. They weren't doing tickets for Orange Sidewinders. They were saying just report your issue, which meant, man, nobody's going to get back to me. I'm going to have to. And But they were saying in some cases they have to physically relocate you and your ship to another portion of the galaxy. Um, so when I finally did load in, I was 500 light seconds outside of that planet. In my FDL today, it took till today after they had 
two patches later. And all of my gameplay was in space until you got here. That's as much as I've gotten to see of Odyssey. Um, does it look pretty cool? Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, I sent some cool screen... I weren't really screenshots. So I was taking pictures with my phone and sent them to you and Rusty. Yeah. Um, but just showing you sense of scale, because that was something I dicked around with first. I went and like went all over the station, which has nothing... It's a really shit station we parked at. It was... I call it Dawson's Creek. It's Dawson's Landing. Um, like an agricultural station. I just went there because there was some power play item there. But so every station, to my knowledge, and I've only landed at four right now, basically you land in and then you get out of your ship and you go to an elevator and the elevator takes you to like a, like an airport lobby kind of is what it reminds me of. Some of them you can see ships landing and stuff like that out the windows, but basically like they're... They were kind of similar. They weren't all the same, but they were kind of similar. They all had the same types of vendors. They're just in different spots in each of them, and they were differently decorated. Um, but that's where you buy your like new suit, right? Like because you start off with just your flight suit, and then that's where you buy your weapons. And of course, I mean, I have enough money. Like honestly, you can kit out your human for probably less than five million and get everything you'd ever want. Um, there's some way to rank up your weapons. I haven't figured that out. There's some way to rank up your other stuff. I don't know how to figure that out yet. Um, the only firefight I've gotten in so far is with the tutorial that tells you how to shoot your gun and how to manage shields and stuff like that as a human. You don't have to do much to manage your shield. You basically just have to turn it off and turn it on. Um, I'd like to get down and actually do some kind of scanning, but it shows you like how to use the cutter to cut open doors and how to use your little space utility tool to charge and open doors and scan people to get clearance and all sorts of stuff. But um, I've just been pretty, imp the lighting is pretty extreme and I, it just feels unoptimized. I wonder if they could do some DLSS magic with this to get it running really well in VR. So I've got some VR stories for the new section about what okay. they're doing with DLSS. I would imagine they probably can. It's just, you know, the but they, they changed the planet tech on a lot of stuff. So the planets, Ryzen's planets didn't look bad by any means. No. But what they did is essentially they added a lot of space rocks and a lot of additional lighting, and they added atmospheric lighting. So that the planets that I landed on both had a... Of course, they added a lot of particles to the station. And, like, your SRV actually had, like, smog coming off of it almost yeah and then you'll notice too that there's a different lighting effect depending on what kind of atmosphere there is like we were talking about a few shows back and it does vary i have noticed that some of them have very thick atmosphere and you can see it looks like a sky that is that's what's really the biggest change is it looks like a sky and i've landed on a couple that had some kind of plants on the surface, which was kind of interesting. That I, something I've never seen before. Um, and I'm almost to a point where I almost want to just explore. Like I, I was trying to figure out my direction today. Really, my direction was making sure it worked. When you came in, I just wanted to land on a couple of planets and make sure things weren't fucked up. Um, but I mean, it looks cool so far. But the launch is pretty rocky. It seems a bit unoptimized. If you're still having fun in Horizon or you're new to Elite, I would say don't play this yet. 
Um, I think this has got a lot of potential, but right now the release is just kind of rough. And I would rather people have a fun time with it than a kind of deal with it the way that I am to play it. Because I think all the systems I've got in there are all interesting, right? Yeah. I think doing the ranking my human up for human tasks is something I want to do, even though there's a whole Thargoid thing going on right now that I want to mess with. But I'm brute forcing it my way through with good hardware. I can't even imagine what this is like on a regular tier card. And I'm not, I've said this before, I'm not doing that to Big Dick. It's just, you know, that was something I figured out how no, to get. No, I mean, if but it's... Like, it's if, just like, you got fortunate getting the 2080, I got the 3080, Rusty's got the 3090. Like, we're in a really good spot with that like, stuff. But even, even most then, people, though, I if sold, you're, if I sold you're, my 1070 to John from picking up the pixels because he couldn't find a fucking graphics card anywhere for less than $1,000. If you're having that much trouble with the 3080, I hate to see what my 2080 does. If you're running it in 1080p, I think you'll be fine. Well, yeah. So I don't think you're going to have much of an issue, but just... If you're wanting to go on a, the really high res, um, but even then, I wonder if I think the, I know they a twenty eighty. They is, don't have any ray tracing in it. That is correct, but they have sub sub. They have but, dynamic lighting that with true reflections. But the HDR and the true reflections might. <laughs> There's no HDR. A little bit. That also something I noticed is the anti-aliasing isn't quite fixed yet. I'm just running at a high enough resolution you can't tell. Okay. Um, but the no HDR, but dynamic dynamic lighting and everything feels like three shades darker than it did before. Um, it just now it makes space look really black. It makes your flashlight really important. Um, but it does feel darker. It just it, it feels like you're playing on a an OLED. You know, like how they're super 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 dark. Yeah. Like I turned the brightness settings up actually quite high to get it to where it is right now. And it still feels pretty dark. Um, but I will tell you the ships are more detailed, your orbitals and stuff like that, your space stations, there's a whole lot of extra detail on everything. Like I can really tell that there's, it feels like they doubled the detail from horizon. I'm not going to lie. When you go to like a space station or you go to looking at your ship or you look at stuff even in the interior ship, it feels like everything got doubled the resolution with additional details. Not just sharper, there's other things there that if you've played a long amount of Elite, get really used to the way your cockpit looks. Like I'm just, it's not like they added things, but they added things like scratches. They added things like a bolt that I wasn't noticing before, right? Like they added, the text is way clearer. Like everything about it just looks sharper and more defined and more lived in than it did before it looks everything looks less clean if that makes sense too kind of like if you talk about the analogy of like star wars versus star trek star trek doesn't feel like a universe that's been lived in or star wars does um elite feels more star wars than it does star trek because before yeah. that having a lot of clean lines and a lot of clean interiors feels very star trek now it feels a little more star wars i mean which it should. I mean, since they introduced the the Thargoid invasion, I mean, it's a galaxy at war. Yeah. I will I mean, say, if you really want to dick around and get to new places, one tactic that has worked for me, because I didn't want to make a jump conda, because um, it's a really, it's still a fairly expensive ship. Um, I made a Diamondback Explorer with engineered drives. 
And that thing will just truck me all over the galaxy for next to no jumps. Um, I've got that thing right now at 61 light years. Like, that's just ridiculous in that game. So basically, I just jump wherever I want to go and then order a ship to come there and then dick around on the Diamondback yeah. while I wait for a couple of ships to come my way. Just like, what ship am I going to use over here? Uh, I want my Python, my crate, and I like flying little ships. I bought a today. I'm going to kit out a an Imperial an Imperial Eagle because really, yeah, it's the fastest one of the fastest ships in the game, and it's super cheap. Hmm. Um, and I want to go canyon flying in it. So I've I found a subreddit thread of these guys that do, it's called hooning, I think is what they call it. And what they do is they daredevil in different canyons in different planets, kind of like a speeder bike driving, kind of like what you imagine Luke did when he was driving his uh, speeder bike in uh, the first Star Wars. Or his, or his T-16 trainer. There you go. So you Through remember the you, canyons on Tatooine. That's exactly what it feels like. So what you do is you do you fly at a max speed in the middle of a canyon, really close to the ground, and you flight assist off and basically basically power slide around corners and canyons with flight assist off and your you can regulate your speed with that by also dropping your cargo bay open. And you basically you're just pulling crazy maneuvers in these canyons. And I was like, okay, I want a ship that can do that. And it's not going to cost me a lot if I fuck up. And so I was like, Imperial Eagle. Now I need to get me some A-rated drives. So where I, the system I'm in was so I could get my Imperial Eagle some A-rated drives at 15% off because it's the Lee and Lee system. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And the, I call it, I can't remember off the top of my head. I just remember it sounding in my head a lot like Didgeridoo is the name of the system. But... <laughs> It's a raised landing, I believe, is what it's called. Um, but you know, the I'll have more to report over the next few weeks um, as they optimize this. This is not going to be something to be able to even dig in that far in depth, even by next week. Um, there's just too much game there. Um, the game that I really want to talk about, um, Mass Effect, has been a very positive experience for b- new games. The best experience I've had so far has been Subnautica Below Zero, hands down. I've had a hell of a time with that game. Um, it is more Subnautica. Um, there's a lot less surface stuff at the point in the game that I'm in right now um, that I'm used that I thought would be. I thought there. Were, I was thinking, you know, the sea truck or whatever was going to be a truck truck. It's not really the. The truck is called that because it's modular. Gotcha. So you build segments for it and you connect it to the truck, and then that's the configuration you got. So did you ever play the original Subnautica or play very much of it or just know about it? I played a few hours of it, like on... um, uh, Do you like share it off my counter? Steam share. Okay. Um... Like way back in day when it was still in alpha, I think. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice to not play that game. It's on Game Pass, by the way. I know. If I still had Game Pass. Oh. Well, so anyways, Subnautica is a very good game. Um, One of my favorites. 
because it's unique. And the, we talked about Breathridge earlier this year about it being basically Subnautica in space, just not that good. Um, Subnautica Below Zero is so far at the same caliber as the original. It has more storytelling than the original did. The original, you are alone. This one, you're talking to people. Um, you're still finding logs, right? Like part of the story building is finding remnants of uh, other people being on this planet. I don't remember. This is the same planet that you went down to, but a different part of it than the other Subnautica. Um, but, it, you know, it's below zero, right? It's all icy. So they still do the different biome thing. And they've like super, I talked about this last week, like they super up a lot of things. There's a whole lot more particle effects. There's a lot of weather effects, which there wasn't really much weather I can remember on one. Um, but like as it's raining or like hailing as it does, you see, I, you see it enter the water and you see the air trails as things are hitting okay. the sur surface of the water. I remember seeing some of that. Um... Uh, playing it a little bit in VR right after you got that first headset. Yeah, I don't know that there's very much weather in that game, though. Yeah. This has the full... I I cannot confirm because I haven't been on the surface and you don't ever really have a boat, at least that, to my knowledge. I, don't, I can't confirm if there's rolling seas or anything like that, but I will tell you that when you can see the droplets dropping down through the water from the rain or the hail or whatever is going on, it looks really good. There's blizzards up on top of the surface, which look really good. Um, you have to deal with temperature instead of radiation. So I'm working on trying to get a snowsuit, basically, or a thermal suit for me so that I don't freeze. Right. But when you're on the surface of the ice, you get cold and you start to freeze. And they've got different things with throughout the each area. So they have these plants that radiate heat that you can use in the newbie area. But they're not all over the place. Like uh, where I'm at right now, I've got I've got to get some materials to build this suit. I'm not going to say what it is because it's a little bit of a spoiler. But back to the sea truck, though, I want to talk about this thing. So like the meta game for Subnautica, the first one, is get the Cyclops, which is a huge submarine, and it would let you build modules inside it. Yep. And so you would build all your modules in different portions of the Cyclops and then carry a prawn suit with you to go to super depth. Um. The way this works is there is a module. It's got carrier arms on it. So you build these little modules that you're like, I don't know, 10 by 10 modules that connect to the truck. And the connect truck, it's, think about like a semi, right? So you got the semi, like the truck part of it, right? Which doesn't have a whole lot to it besides it being able to drive and have additional modules you can install on it. So I've got like an EMP thing that scares off predators. And I've got depth on it and basically afterburners. Then the okay. mod. Then the modules, so the first module I found was a storage module, which meant it was a container that has a whole bunch of lockers that are attached to it, and you just, you pilot it, or you grab it with your hands, essentially. It's got a little thing, it's got a little roll bar thing on top of it. You grab that and swim it over to the truck, and then it, like, mag locks to the truck. That's cool. And so I've got, my current setup is I've got two storage modules. And then I've got a fabricator module. So the fabricator module brings a fabricator with me, which runs off the batteries in the truck, um, to build stuff um, while I'm out in the deep. Um, and then I've got one that will carry a prawn suit um, that I could attach to that. 
Hmm. I haven't tested the limit because the materials are kind of expensive for building the modules, but I've gotten it up to four segments long so far. I've got a sleeper module that I've put on there before too. So the sleeper module has a jukebox, which will play uh, space techno for you. Um, nice. Done. It's not cheesy either. Like it's, but they do really cool ideas with the sound design. So it kind of like echoes a little bit in the truck. And when you're out in the water, you hear just the bass portion of it like you would if you're underwater. <laughs> um, That's cool. And it's got a little hammock back there, and it's got a little, like, skylight on it so you can see up. But, you know, there's a day and night cycle, so you can sleep through the night so it can be day. But you can put the sleeper car basically on the truck. Um, and then uh, I've got one that's supposed to help me catch fish, which I haven't tried yet. Um, but the sea truck is pretty legit. I'm really liking it. I also like it. So inside the truck, you can pull a lever and it'll disconnect the other modules. So you can use that to, because the sea truck, uh, canopy that you drive mm -hmm. is actually very small. Like the Seamoth was, I think it was called the Seamoth in the first one. It's smaller than that. So it can get in really tight spaces. And so sometimes I take the truck portion and park it because it's got an auto beacon on it. So you can see where it's at. And then take the little version of it down to explore really tight spaces so I don't have to swim all over the place. They did something else that they didn't do much of in the last game. So in the last game you had one plant that would blow bubbles up that you could catch to kind of refill your air a little bit. Now they've got these oxygen plants that you can just click on and it gives you air. Um, bladderfish also have a third function now. So a raw bladderfish will also give you air. So you can catch a whole bunch of bladderfish and then refill your air. Uh, with the little handheld uh, torpedo thing you can carry, you can actually go quite far. I've traveled about 500 meters, which is fairly far in that game, pretty easily without worrying about air, and then traveled back. So a 1,000 meter round trip on a single breath of air with expanded tanks. Nice. Um, so sometimes I get out. I just I get a little bit paranoid sometimes driving too far away from it because there are still leviathans and things like that. Um, and... I don't want to run out of air. Like the, the death limit I'm at right now is a thousand meters. It's taken me a while to work up to that, but I'm probably for the first quarter or third. There's a whole lot of story building. There are other characters you interact with in this one versus the other one. You just were going through the wreckage of another, uh, yeah. of the other ship. So without really meeting other people, um, I don't know at the end. I, I mean, I know you're looking for somebody in this game, but I don't know. What the actual end game is? Am I am I going to launch another rocket and get back out in space? Like I don't know, but it, it starts you off in a spaceship traveling down, and then something goes wrong, you crash, and then you're kind of stuck on the planet. But you had a lander module, and so now instead of having this the emergency buoy, you've got a little. You start off with this little bitty base that's got limited power that you can, uh, you know, get your first things, first few things made, but. The bigger changes, that sea truck, I think it was the right move. I think people just took the Cyclops wherever and didn't always build bases unless they just wanted something cool looking. This kind of gotcha. makes you want to build another base way down wherever you go um, so that you have, you know, a satellite base. Like, I'm at a point right now where I really do need to relocate a little bit deeper in an area I want to explore. Um, but, like, the underwater areas or the different biomes are really interesting. I found one 
I, they're all really the artwork on this is really good. Uh, it's definitely different enough. There, you know, you don't make batteries the same. There's a lot of the different things that you need. You don't make the same. The order of materials you're getting right now is not the same. The places where you'd find things is not quite the same. Um, I'm a little bit more fearless than I was before. You know, I was going after Leviathan with my fucking thermoblade um, on lunch today because he was pissing me off. <laughs> um, almost bit it, but that I started to say that sounds very dangerous. But I'm not as scared of the deep as I was before. Um, but just everything about it is more immersive than the last game, and there's more story building. Gotcha. Um, I just, overall, I think it's it's pretty good so far. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. It's like I mean, ranking it super be. high. It's ranking super high on my list so far this year. I just, I could play that game a lot. <laughs> I really like playing that game. And I could pause it like you can play that game at your own pace. It's up to you to kind of discover the next things to progress the story. So, well, and that game's always kind of been up in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's a crafting game with story, is what it, it really boils down to. Like, there's not an endless mode, and I'm actually kind of okay with that. Uh, and the survival mechanics are good enough. So. Tip, if you don't already know this, take a grav trap with you in a shallow area with a lot of fish and just gather up a fuckload of fish with your grav trap and then go grab a whole bunch of salt and preserve all those fish. And now you have rations for while you're way down. I've got like basically two bins full of salted fish and water um, for me to go on a big grand adventure. And that's also I have the manufactured, uh, the fabricator in there. Right. So I could continue to make additional resources if I need to and, you know, carry extra batteries with me, but the batteries seem like they'll last a pretty long time. Sweet. Subnautica below zero at a quarter of the way in is a four five. It's a really fucking solid game. Um, I'm really liking it. I, I don't know why anybody would not like it if you like Subnautica. I mean, they've been really solid for a long time, so it doesn't surprise me. But we've been very, this has been a long segment. We should probably take a break. Eh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. back had a little break of showing jason some uh subnautica while he was uh you know pampering his migraine tis true sudden onset migraines i fucking hate them so that being said so he had to lower the volume because the bass was too much but damn that's a pretty game yeah i was hoping to show him some weather effects and there's a place called the i don't know if it's called this but that's where the anemones are um, and that sounds really goofy, but he's really, it's a really red and pink area with a lot of weird underwater space plants that looks really cool. And I was also hoping to see a storm and the most I could get was snow, <laughs> which wasn't going to showcase the coolness of the storms in that game. Um, but that being said, um, I wanted to talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts and that's the availability of GPUs. And there's a really big 
move in the Ethereum mining industry, which is the one that uses your graphics cards to mine Bitcoin. And they're moving to a proof-of-stake model, or this is what they already have been in the process, the people that help manage this economy, have been doing this for a lot of reasons. One thing that happens with cryptocurrency, aside from the fact that it reduces the shortage of a lot of common goods, honestly, uh, common electronics goods, is that it causes issues with power consumptions across the globe. So you've got China just pumping out the coal power plants to keep up, um, turning whole cities into crypto mining cities. And then you've got in the U.S. people buying up low-cost housing, low-cost power places all across the Pacific Northwest for Ethereum mining right now. Yep. Um, the new... Without getting into the minutia, if you really want to read it, there's a really good article that PC Gamer did on this, which is where I'm sourcing my information. Um, but essentially, proof of stake changes the way that Ethereum is mined and would reduce the dependency on GPUs. Uh, it would also reduce the power consumption by 99%. So PC Gamer, I know they're not economists, but it's theorizing, based on the information they were able to gather, that it would largely reduce the need for GPUs for Ethereum mining, high-power GPUs rather. They could still do it. They could do it on low-power GPUs. Mm -hmm. So that means that your miner cards might go to, you know, something um, along the tier of a 1070 or an entry-level card versus they, your 3070s, your 3080s, yeah. your new AMD cards, like all they, of that stuff. They also theorized that they would actually need less GPUs, period. Correct. So, you know, a miner who's running five or six GPUs now. Uh, try on the, that's on the super small scale. Right. I was but, watching rigs that, I, that people were doing in their house that were 128 cards. Right. But. What I'm saying is, you know, your five or six GPUs would be one. Or less. It's Or less. Yeah, it's a huge difference in the amount of GPUs you have to have to get the same workload. Which consequently means much less power draw as well. Well, and they're not also saying that more hardware is better because a lot of the proof of concepts on the network side and not on the GPU side. Yeah. So... That being said, that could, it could be a light at the end of the tunnel for this technology shortage we've been running into. Um, which I think is a really big deal. I really want to see people be able to upgrade at a reasonable cost and not go through scalpers to get a card. Because that's just bogus. Um, one other thing, I briefly touched on this, right? I've been talking about VR a lot with my Oculus. Um, NVIDIA is bringing DLSS to virtual reality, and it starts with No Man's Sky. Um, the other couple of games it's got is called Wrench and Into the Radius. I'm not familiar with those other two games. Um, but they're saying, NVIDIA is saying you can double your performance in VR with No Man's Sky with ultra settings when using DLSS in VR mode. Um, it says in Wrench, you're looking at about an 80% increase, and in the Radius is a much more pleasurable experience with that enabled. Um, DLSS has been a long time coming. I think it's probably a great idea for it to move to VR because VR is more resource intensive. What happens with VR is it renders a screen per eye, right? And depending on your settings, that could be up to almost 8K. So on some of these simpler games, I'm cranking up 
because you can do super sampling in VR. Yeah. I'm cranking up to 4096 per eye on my Oculus Quest to get it as sharp as possible. When I was running Elite and I had you in the cockpit of that Sidewinder, yep. that was essentially running at the same horsepower it takes to run 8K. Because I was running it at 4096 per eye. Right. Um, which is very taxing. You can actually hear my card spin up when it's running at that kind of resolution for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just, it's super taxing. But if DLSS was enabled, it would essentially run it at 2K per eye and use super, or, and use, uh, um, artificial intelligence or their tensor cores or whatever they use for the DLSS portion to, uh, you know, pro- to figure out what to do with that extra information and, and make it run a lot smoother. Essentially, DLSS halves your resolution and, and then by taking out like every other frame and then using AI to detect or recreate what that frame would look like based on the last frame. And so it looks a little tiny bit blurry, but you get super close to the same look with a much smoother feel. Um, when you're running to that high resolution, you can't tell that much. Um, another thing is really cool. So the people that are making um, Baldur's Gate right now, um, Divinity Original Sin, which is a hell of a game, is coming to iPad. So it should be out right now. Um, that game's a great game. I think that it, is that game is worth it, pretty much any amount you spend on it up up to sixty bucks. I mean, you will get everything out of that that you want. I, I spent like eighty hours in that game. No, I spent one hundred and twenty hours in that game. Um, through yeah, through a single campaign, just exploring everything. Super good. On a quick side note, I did play a little bit of Baldur's Gate. I don't own it. I borrowed it from TJ. Um, and just, you know, I wanted to see what it looked like and how it ran. It does run pretty good, like way better than I expected it to do it at 4k. Um, so I think they're definitely optimizing it based on my experience with Odyssey, <laughs> uh, which doesn't look as sharp. It looks like a super modern dragon age is what it looks like. Um, with a lot of, uh, more Baldur's Gate style stylings and classes. Um, the hair effects look pretty primo. There's a lot of close-ups. I went through the weird screaming brain thing with the, uh, what is that char- What is that type of creature called? I forget. Anyways, um, there's a creature that takes over brains in the D&D world. I cannot remember it for the life of me right now. I've got to interact with the brain um, and play, do a boss battle in there. Um, seemed to be playing pretty cool. Um, it uses dice rolls for a lot of things. Um, you basically get like two actions per character. So it could be a move and a shoot, a move and a ready, um, you know, like a move and a spell ready. Yeah. But basically one's delegated to moving and the other's delegating to whatever next action. So it could be move, defend, move, attack, move, use, get spell ready. Still has casting times kind of like D&D, right? Like you're going to ready your spell for three turns or something like that. Um, I tried the druid class. My druid looked pretty, pretty badass. Um, looks pretty sharp so far. I have high hopes if everything else pans out and I get a little bit more about what's going on, um, I'm going to really probably enjoy that game. I, I have, I have pretty good hopes. That's one of my top hopes for this year. Uh, one last quick thing that I wanted to just bring up. Um, 
So there's some people that left Blizzard and Epic to create a new studio called Lightforge. Um, it looks like they want to be a Memorpiger, uh kind of studio, to quote uh, a famous internet person. Um, Yahtzee, if you ever watched Yahtzee videos, that guy's great. Um, but it looks like they're going to start working on massively multiplayer experiences. So if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, Blizzard honestly knows how the hell to make an MMO really well. Yep. Uh, the most successful MMO of all time, in my opinion. Um, I don't know that anything's ever suppressed WoW or had that kind of staying power that WoW has. It's ridiculous. Yeah, not for the not for the um the amount of time. I mean, there's been MMOs that have maybe. for maybe periods of months had more concurrent users, but when we're talking number of years, nothing matches wow. Yeah, and the only things that really come close is Final Fantasy Online has had a pretty good life so far, even though it was a really rough start. Elder Scrolls Online is actually surprisingly decent right now. I spent two months in that last year um, just dicking around with it because it plays fairly close to a regular Elder Scrolls game. There's a shitload of content for it. Um trying to think of other MMOs. Eve obviously has been around for a really long time. But it never came close to user and then numbers. Old Republic, Knights of the Old... No, it's not Knights. It was just Old Republic, right? Yeah. For Star Wars. Actually had kind of a rocky launch that developed into a fairly long-standing game, and I think there's still a few people playing it. But really the only thing that's like still being played regularly right now out of all of those games that has the longest staying power is probably Eve. Followed up closely by Final Fantasy, which I think has been pretty popular. Um, and ESO, honestly, ESO kind of really, a... really rocky two years. Yeah. Um, ESO's worth playing right now if you like MMOs. An action MMO is what I would call it. I think there's, there's some other games, but just like thinking about what's actually fun. I just, our friend Earl that's been on the show is still playing ESO. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, he likes Elder Scrolls Reuniverse and it's, uh, you can play it on anything. Um, it's got, it's a very scalable graphic system. But honestly, I don't have a whole lot of news and I want to scoot to get Jason into a place where he can manage this migraine and there wasn't a lot going on. Um, Necromunda, I will say Green Man Gaming. If you don't have an account with Green Man Gaming, go ahead. Because you can get games on there through Steam, through Origin, and through Epic, and on your PlayStation Store at cheap. And they're not like one of these crazy CD key websites that sells shit. The CD keys website, that actual one, I, I don't recommend. Um, I've been essentially robbed on that site. That's I'm, <laughs> I do not ever want them as a sponsor, so I do not care. But right. Green Man Gaming is probably one of the best resellers that does it in a way that's legal. Um, and they genuinely offer pretty good deals and you earn this like XP shit through them that you get additional member discounts, so to speak. I don't pay a monthly fee. It's just I buy stuff through them occasionally. Um, Necromunda, I want to say it's around $32 right now through them. Mm -hmm. And that comes out next month. It's the one we were talking about that kind of looked like what we thought Prey 2 would be. Yep. Um, it's just a very good price, which is the next bigger thing that I'm going to pick up probably. Um, when Rusty gets back, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about Biomutant at some point, but I'm holding off for a while on Biomutant. I think that's an all Rusty thing. I've, I've got so much game to play right now with Subnautica, Mass Effect, and Odyssey. 
I probably could not pick up another game for three months. Yeah. I mean, Mass Effect on its own is a, a month-long endeavor. Mm, especially playing through all three games and going Play- as meta as I know the both of us will go on two and three. It's probably a month to a month and a half worth of game with just my, in those. With my rotation, I'll probably take me with Sim and Fiance and doing a few other things. It'll probably take me into July to finish Mass Effect. Yep. And I, I play this in normal person mode like a lot of you guys do. I play a couple, three hours of games every night um, if I get that right, and then more on the weekend. But that's that's usually all I get. So um, with that, I think we could probably wrap. What do you say, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have – I couldn't find much else in the way of news. So, I mean, the Ethereum thing was – I think that's a, the biggest thing last week. Yeah, and <laughs> even though I'm not in the in the market for a graphics card right now, none of us are really. Um, I'm still going to follow that closely because it played such a large part in the shortage of me getting a new card. It did, and you know the the more it goes, we're start we're starting to see uh, this also affect not. Um, not really affecting uh, hard drive storage that much yet, but it is starting to affect RAM prices too. Well, yeah, as the the shortages come up, but that's for silicon reasons, not yeah. RAM. It's not like they're using RAM to mine anything right now. It's no, just silicon is short. But the demand on graphics cards affects the silicon shortage, and that's just starting to affect everything at this point. But. So. We'll keep an eye on that for you guys because we are there's a lot of love for PC gaming here. Um, we want to keep it alive and well, and this uh, silicon shortage has affected all of us a lot. So with that, Jason, where can you find us? Find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash The Real TiltCast. And search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Rate us. Review us. Subscribe. Do the things. Hit uh, the buttons. Yeah, and all of that's free. Um, if you could, um, check out some friends of the show. we got Cabbage KBG, For the Love of Gaming, No Quarters Net, BMFCast.com, and TVGP.TV. They will be playing Odyssey, too. And with that, it is the end of the show. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>